Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back. Um, let me just correct that. It's Africa's first female dredge master, Londi Ngobo, global ship navigator and Africa's first female dredge master and ship captain. A very good evening to you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so so much for having me, Sumitra. So, Londi, let's just let's just start right at the top. What exactly is a dredge master? <laughs> Good question. Actually, to begin with, especially, um, so a dredge master is a ship captain of the type called dredges. So, the license that I hold is of a captain to navigate a dredger. However. A captain of, on a, of a ship generally is one that can navigate any kind of ship. I happen to be on the dredges. You will see others on cruise liners. I have been on container ships. You will see different kinds of ships. It's always confusing to use the dredge master because it's not quite a common uh, ship. Most people know cruise liners or rather commercial container ships, oil tankers. But yeah. A captain is a captain. Well, I mean, you know, a captain is a captain, but this is a very male-dominated industry. I don't think I've ever seen a female <laughs> um, a captain. What is that like? I mean, you know, you hold this title. When did you first, I mean, is it fairly new? How long ago did you get this? I mean, looking at your pictures, you look really young. How long ago <laughs> was it that you became qualified? Hmm. So I studied maritime studies in high school at a township called Clermont in Durban. Mm. Um, they had introduced the subject to the technical school in the township. They had introduced the subject because it was a rare subject and it was something that seemed appealing at the time to the, the, the teachers. However, try to introduce anything with, uh, with the water to a black community so it was not a natural instinct for us to jump for the subject. Um, yeah, so that was introduced to me back then. It was in year 2002. I was in grade 10. I'm now 13 years in the maritime industry. And um, since the years, I've grown to love the ocean. I've grown to love my industry and calling out more of our brothers and sisters to join me. Mm. Um, it is pretty much still male-dominated. Uh, Hence, we in the industry still have only 2% of female seafarers. And I'm not talking just in Africa. And this is a global statistic. So that is why I'm out advocating, calling out more of my sisters to join us in the industry because, <laughs> I mean, it's, mm. we are surviving. Only 2%. Why do you think that is? Before you answer that, mm. um, what attracted you when they offered it at school? Yes, actually, when they offered it, that's good. That's so typical of me. Being a Pisces, a teenager at the oh. time, I just felt it was just, it, I'm a fish, I belong in the ocean, it's a spilled deal. But I had good maths and science also, and the prerequisite for, for, for maritime studies is maths and science. And I think that's also something to outline because people normally confuse the maritime industry, rather merchant shipping, 
to the Navy. So I'm in the merchant shipping where you would see your Captain Phillips, where you would see the mm. big container ships, as opposed to the, the Navy or where you see the submarines and uh, war vessels, etc. Okay, going back to that, I mean, you know, it, it sounds like you're really passionate about it and it's very exciting, but still, why do we only have 2% of women in these roles? So there's a, it's, it's a historical stereotype of, you know, like how you imagine truck drivers being mostly males. It's the same. Back then, a seafarer could only be a male figure going away for six months and coming back home to see their families. So we're just still slowly just breaking through that stereotype and driving, uh, uh, you know, uh, diversity and inclusion in the, in, in, the, in the sector. Also, as I mentioned, it's not a natural instinct for, for people or rather for females to leave their families. We are away for so long. I remember my first ship ever as an intern, a cadet, I went away for six months and I was home for only a month. Um, when you start working as, an, as a ship officer, you go maximum five months, uh, minimum of three months. So it doesn't naturally come uh, as, as, a, as a first option mm-hmm. to females to say, who am I going to leave my child with? What about my daddy, daddy? What about my granny, my, nurturing my mom? So it's just this uh, uh, fear of the unknown. Also, then the, the, the company policies back then were not so accommodated because we would be on board and want to start family, which means, again, they will have to start replacing that officer mm. at the time. If you're female, you're going to be away for a long time for maternity leave and all of that. So those are the things that we're slowly trying to break through now and advocating for, and we're slowly, slowly seeing the numbers rise. I mean... You know, even if you don't have a family, right, um, I think mm. it's hard being away from home. And just thinking about being at sea, I mean, clearly you don't suffer with seasickness, but it is tough. I mean, you know, you can't just hop out and, you know, take a walk. Or, Most certainly. You know, Most it's, you it's look. you out there and it's and it could be rough seas. I mean, how did you manage that? Mm. I mean, if you look into... The, the, the mental issues now faced by seafarers. Lockdown alone, COVID-19 alone had so many seafarers, I'm talking thousands of seafarers globally out there stuck not being able to come back to their home because, I mean, everything was pretty much at stand still. So you imagine being away for four months, six months, your contract is almost finished and then lockdown happens. Mental issues for seafarers are just, I, I, I can't even, I, 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 I'm unable to even put it into words, mm-hmm. the, the, the way it has, it, it has, we have suffered as seafarers. And uh, again, it's just one of those things that we, 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 we're trying to, to merge and align to keep it as normal as possible. It will never be normal being away for so long, but we are putting into place uh, uh, um, uh, doctors, we're putting into place a psychologist um, on board ships and anything that can support a teacher to make things as normal as possible for them. It's not easy. Being a female, most of the ships I've sailed in been the only female, been the only black, not once, not twice, many times. So the challenges faced, they are, 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 I can't even begin to comprehend, yeah. but I've had to experience them firsthand. 
if you meet me in person, I am quite petite and, and, and short. <laughs> so you can just imagine trying to fit into Captain Phillips' shoes on the Titanic. I want I didn't imagine. <laughs> I want to talk about this Captain Phillips, but we're going to have to take a short break. It's just gone uh, past 22 and 9. When we come back, we'll talk some more to Londi Ngobo, uh, Africa's first female dredge master. It's just about 17 minutes to 9 o'clock. You're listening to My Money and Me. I'm Sumitra Naidu, and I'm talking to Londi Ngobo. She's Africa's first female dredge master, essentially a ship captain. Londi, thanks for staying with me. Before the break, we were talking about Captain Phillips. Now, for those of you that have watched this movie, it was hairy, hairy, scaringly. It was just, it was, it was, uh, I mean, pirates are so real, especially <laughs> on our side of the world. I mean, have you ever experienced something like that? Well, we, we, we navigate cautiously in, in those territories. I mean, it's a well-known thing in our industry, so we put extra watches as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's a global watch, pretty much. So, no, not in my watch, not on my watch. But it's something that you is it is it a fear that you live with that some someday it may happen? Of course, the West African run is. I mean, everyone fears it, but we continue to work on the West African run. We uh, we work smoothly, and some days we work fiercely. And yeah, uh, I mean, trade needs to happen. We just need to strengthen our securities and. Um, that's what they've pretty much tried to do and we navigate cautiously. I have to ask, where were you, I mean, are, are you still on the ships? Um, I'm trying to figure out if you were, I know, you know, um, some people from Kenya, from Mombasa that were on the ships when lockdown happened, when COVID happened and, you know, lockdowns mm-hmm. were going into force in different countries and they were basically stuck in the middle. They couldn't and they actually had to go back to, I think it was uh, Singapore. They had to go back to Singapore and they couldn't actually return home to East Africa um, because uh, because of the, of the situation. Um, mm-hmm. Where were you when the lockdowns were occurring? Yeah, so for me, being a seafarer, I've been back and I was able to land an executive maritime compliance manager role. Okay. And since then, it has been, since then I've been able to then find a a voice as a female in the industry to start advocating and call out more sisters and more businesswomen into my space. So I've been back for the past two years. And um, pretty much home most of the time. I travel as and when. Lockdown happened when I was in South Africa. Okay. And yeah, it's just been witnessing from the other end and supporting our fellow brothers and sisters out there at sea. And when you talk about this new position that you have, I mean, does that involve any more um, getting onto the ocean at any time or are you permanently on the ground now? Yes, so you speak of compliance now. I manage most of the ships mm-hmm. for the company I work I work for now. Uh, yeah, so I pretty much travel as and when, and obviously not since lockdown, but I travel as and when just monitoring compliance and to international standards for, for our South African ships. Do you find that you're still working with a lot of males? I mean, you're saying that only 2% of women have, Mm. you know, your qualifications, but are we finding more women coming into different roles in maritime? Yes. So we we are finding more females. 
However, South Africa faces the challenge of uh, ship ownership. And so we are unable to place more cadets, more trainees onto our own ships because we own pretty much close to none. And that is what we are we advocating for. Uh, we only have five South African registered ships. So if I push on uh, calling all the, the, the youth to join, where am I going to place the youth? So we very much, uh, we pretty much relying on international companies to absorb our cadets. And that's, that's exactly what happened in my time. I had to go and work for international companies. Still, we're still sending out our own trainees to go uh, work on international companies. So that's why the blue economy, uh, or rather the government, has been more intentional in, mm. in advocating for the blue economy to call out more business people in the space and open their eyes into where can they start uh, zooming into playing in the, within, within our space. I mean, it's so accommodative. And I'm only also learning this now that I'm back on land. I mean, if you imagine a, a security company, when we, come, when we get ships uh, coming into South Africa, those ships need to be guarded by dividors, the gangway man, that's a security company at play. If you look into crew transfers, you're typically just talking a logistics company or rather a, 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 a passenger ship, I mean a passenger uh, I'm trying to imagine the uh, airport transfer company that that's land in colla- in collaboration with the ocean. So if you look at the hospitality industry, our our, our crew members get uh, I don't want to say replenished, but we change. We do crew changes mm. all the time. Mm. And so someone who's in hospitality and has an Airbnb, you imagine you're already at play with the ocean economy. It's it's just. All, it all ties up in the end. But we're just saying, as we continue to fight for the land, can we not see or can we open our eyes to realize that the ocean also belongs to us? And it also calls for business people. And it also calls for like-minded, innovative, young, vibrant youth to make the South African maritime industry more vibrant and as appealing as what the international market has done. What do you think is blocking us? Why do we have so little registered ships? Is it, I mean... It's more, yeah. Mm, it's most certainly been with uh, uh, the awareness of things, compliance of things. And, uh, you know, we tend to look into what works and, and, and shift our eyes into what the world is doing, you know. So we are slept in a way. We, 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 we also have a very, very serious problem in terms of tonnage. If you look at our tonnage right now, what we are shipping, you will find that in the mining industry, whatever we mining and shipping it through, 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 through the ocean, that might not even belong to us. So we need to lock tonnage first so that we can be able to own our ships and move our own tonnage. Right now, South Africa is pretty much just playing a middleman. We're using our harbors. We 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 we're using our resources. We just we're just playing a middleman, taking resources from us, sending them to other countries, and we don't own our our tonnage mm. to be able to have confidence that I'm taking this coal and I'm taking it to China and I'm using my ship. Right now, we're just a gate.
That is so disappointing. I mean, when you talk about tonnage, you're talking about actually exporting goods. Um, yeah. But you, you, you're painting a picture like there's loads of opportunity. We're just not grabbing it. And I would, I would agree with you. I mean, we have one of the largest and busiest harbors in, in Africa. I mean, that's Durban yeah. Harbor. Uh, why are we just playing middleman to this? Is it mm-hmm. more beneficial or it, will we make more money actually owning our own ships? Mm. So we, we 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 will we would be able to own our 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 our, our ships. If you look at the 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 latest African continental trade, if you look into that and try to tie it up to if we within the African uh, uh, trade can lock our tonnage and be able to trade amongst each other, that is without a doubt confidence to another level to say I'm moving these goods to Angola, Angola is moving mm. these goods to Kenya. That is us, safe and secured. But we need to strengthen that relationship firsthand. Right now, we are still open to the international market. That is just, we're just happy to get, I suppose, the, the, the tariffs and the change from these countries, uh, from just us mm. being middlemen. So we just need to drive more intention in our tonnage and saying go, go in social move your cabbage will move from here and it will be taken by people to Mr. Kukamur in Durban and when they yeah. put it in the container that ship owned by let's say Transnet will be moved from here to to Kenya National Port. We know how it flows and and we've got confidence in that. So more intention in our trade, in our tonnage will mean uh, uh, more money should we start having our own ships. Very, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping I'm explaining it in layman's terms possible, but it's, it's much, much more vast. Absolutely. But, you know, and I think you raise really, really valid points. And I know that you're also really trying to spread this this word. I mean, you're trying to educate people about not only maritime, but about the trade opportunities that we have. And we have all of this set up. Why can't we make use of it, better use of it? So, you you know, you're looking for, you're looking at value chains. You know, we, we talk about, we've been talking about beneficiation for years. Um, you know, um, scale, uh, economies of scale. Why are we not doing that? But I know that you continue to spread this and you're trying to educate people. I know you've, you know, you've, you've been, uh, you know, onto media interviews. You've had TEDx talks. You're even coming up with a book. Mm. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. Um, so mine, mine, as I stand now, having witnessed the injustices that I, I, I've seen within my industry, it's still predominantly uh, 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 light-skinned. And uh, uh, mine right now is to captivate that pure love for the ocean, for a young Bali in, in Clermont who says, this laundry, I've seen you've become a captain and I want to be like you. So while I advocate to get more tonnage, get more ship ownership, I need to make sure that there's pure, pure love for the ocean. I need to make sure that this child understands that there is no such thing as a black man can't swim. And there is no such thing as a, 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 a you know, the industry doesn't belong to us. It's not so welcoming, it's not so accommodating. There's so much more that we can do and jobs are so so stuck, you know. There's divers in the ocean economy, there's microbiologists in the 
uh, 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 in the oceans economy. There's ocean oceanography. There's novel architects. There's so so much, and this is what I want the youth to see with the the, the kiddies book that I, I, I'm publishing, and through Global Maritime Youth, my foundation. How many, I mean, are there, are there enough schools offering it? I do know that South Africa has really, really high standards in terms of maritime education. Um, you know, um, I talk about my friends coming through from Mombasa. They, a lot of them mm-hmm. have come through to continue studying here in South Africa in Durban because um, the education is so good. Um, mm-hmm. But... As you say, we have an issue with, you know, more people actually using it for trade. And we also have um, very, very few females coming through. So apart from Durban, I mean, where else? I mean, is there enough education? Is there enough awareness for youngsters coming out of the school system to actually get into maritime? Mm. So the awareness uh, uh, programs or rather awareness initiatives are there. However, um, much at, uh, at a higher institution level, we've got exceptional, exceptional uh, uh, standards of, of, of maritime caliber, of maritime studies uh, caliber, like you rightfully say. Mine is to cultivate it from age three, from age seven to know that as much as I'm studying now, I'm just only in primary school, but there's something called the ocean too, as I continue to see and see things that I like on land. So we don't see that in primary school. We mm-hmm. only see it in, in, I went to a high school that introduced maritime studies, and there's still just only a handful in Cape Verde. Um, I know there's also a few in Cape Town. So I, I know that there is not much in primary schools, and I think that's where we should we should catch it while they're still young, and uh, that's exactly what I stand for now. Landy, before I let you go, when you uh, when you were captaining the ship, and every now and then when you do get on the ship, do all those men listen to you? Are they? Are you in charge? Are you <laughs> taking control? You know, it's so funny because it's men that could be the same age as my dad, but I say I share on my TED talk, and I also share on my folk that I was raised with the wound and that is something that you carry with for so long and if you listen to it or rather or rather uh, uh, practice it while you're still young it's not that hard for an older uh, 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 guy or an older man that could be the same age age as your dad to take orders from you (laughs) it works (laughs) well we're going to have to leave it there thank you so much for your time it was great chatting to you you and maybe one day I'll spot you on a ship and you know maybe (laughs) I'll have to knock on the door and ask to see the captain Londi thanks so much for your time this evening Londi Ngobo Africa's first female dredge master what a treat to chat to her guys um, that's a wrap of my show tonight you know this hour just always goes by so quickly thank you so much for listening remember a podcast is available on the website kayafm.co.za Big Black is up next be safe Rewinding Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind Visit kayafm.co.za for more